Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. We pray through Jesus. We need a high priest, so we pray in the name of Jesus to God the Father. But he's interceding for us. He's our advocate. He's for you. He's not against you. Why is it important that he's the son of God, but also the son of man? Because when he came to this earth, he went through everything you and I go through. All the suffering, all the joys, all the temptation. He experienced all of that. So as he's an advocate, he knows what we're going through. I need an advocate that knows what happened to me. Whatever difficulties we may experience, it always seems to be easier to bear when we have a friend who's gone through the same trouble before us. Knowing that a friend has survived gives us hope that we can survive as well. In Pastor Mark's teaching, he reminds us that because Jesus lived as a human man, he experienced the same temptations all men do. Having Jesus stand in as our sinless proxy allowed the requirement God demanded of mankind, perfection, to be satisfied. His death on the cross, paying the penalty for sin, freed all of us to enter God's family. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in Philippians chapter 2 with part 1 of his message, The Name of Jesus. Confess and bow. Now, here's the deal. We study the Bible. We're in one of the greatest passages in Philippians in the whole Bible. So if you're in a row and there's one Bible and 12 people, it will not work. So get your hand up. You say, well, Pastor Mario, I don't know where to turn. Doesn't matter. We'll show you where to turn. Turn to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. It's going to be exciting as we study God's Word together. Now, we learned a very important principle. We have a woman going up and a man going down. It can be reversed. They're on stairs. And what Jesus taught us, this amazing principle, is simply this. First thing for you to write down today. The way up, the way up is always down. The way up is always down. You see, Jesus came to the earth and he said, I didn't come to be served, I came to serve. We learned that principle. So let's say it together on the count of three. One, two, three. The way up is always down. One more time now. The, the way up is always down. Now, in Philippians chapter 2, We're going to begin in verse 5. This is the first part of the, if you will, the career of Jesus Christ. He leaves heaven, and we begin with verse 5. Now, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, 
who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he made himself nothing. Taking the very nature, notice, of a servant. Being made in human likeness, he was fully God and fully man. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Jesus came down to earth to do two things, really. One, to model for us a servant lifestyle. Having a servant lifestyle and serving others is the way to happiness and joy and fulfillment and peace. Then the second thing that we see that Jesus did, he humbled himself, died on a cross because that's what God said he had to do. He submitted to his Father's will. And he provided for mankind the only way back to a holy God. But I'm glad to say, as we get to verse 8, that's not the end of the story. That's only the first half of Jesus leaving heaven and coming to earth. In verses 9 through 11, we see the second half of the career of Jesus. And this half has all to do with God. After mankind crucified and then buried Jesus, God the Father took over. And we see what that looks like in verses 9 through 11. Let's read it. Now, therefore, God exalted him, Jesus, to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord, for what reason? To the glory of God the Father. In other words, to make God look good. Now notice back in verse 9, the first word. You might want to circle it in your Bible. It's therefore. Anytime you see the word therefore in the Bible, you ask yourself this question. What's it there for? <laughs> and what it is, is simply this. It's a link between those verses 5 through 8, which is Christ's humiliation. He humbled himself. He gave of himself. He came down and became man. He humbled himself. So the therefore is the link between Christ coming down to the earth and humbling himself and going to the cross. And it's a link between verses 9 through 11, where because of that humbling, God exalts him to a place higher than ever, to a name that's above every name in the universe ever. So it's the link between humiliation and his exaltation. You see, the way up is always down. Christ came down and God exalted. The word means to elevate above others, to raise to the highest position. So when Jesus went back to heaven after being resurrected, God restored all that Jesus had before he came down. At the resurrection, he went back up as the Son of God. But he added one new thing. He went back up also as the Son of Man. Now, why does that matter to you and I? Well, where is Jesus today? When you go to heaven today, 
There's the throne of God. At the right hand of God is Jesus. What is he doing? He's interceding for us. We pray through Jesus. We need a high priest, so we pray in the name of Jesus to God the Father. But he's interceding for us. He's our advocate. He's for you. He's not against you. Why is it important that he's the son of God, but also the son of man? Because when he came to this earth, he went through everything you and I go through. All the suffering, all the joys, all the temptation. He experienced all of that. So as he's an advocate, he knows what we're going through. I need an advocate that knows what happened to me. And so the Bible says in the book of Hebrews, he's touched or he has feelings for me because of what? Because he knows what I'm going through. He's not just a God that's aloof somewhere. He's a God that knows what man went through because he became fully man. You see, when you have an issue, a problem, sometimes in this church, we have lots of different things. Somebody might have breast cancer or somebody might have lost a child or uh, there's all kinds of things, Alzheimer patient, parent or whatever. We have support groups going through a divorce. You have support groups and you go to people that can help feel for you. They can come alongside. Why? Because they've been through the very same thing. That's the kind of God we have today. So when he went back to heaven, he got everything he had before. But this was a new kind of a role because he could be our advocate and he can relate to us in every single way. So that brings to me the application of what do I do now? Because he humbled himself and he's my role model, what should I do on the earth here? I'm not God. What, what kind of attitude should I have? What kind of mindset should I have? We find the answer right here on the overhead for you. First Peter, just write the verse down. First Peter chapter 5, verse 6. Notice what it says. So humble yourselves, speaking to us as Christians, Christ followers, under the mighty power of God, and at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. Now, I added the word in that verse, you. I would read that verse like this. So Mark, you're going to have to humble yourself under the mighty power of God. So at the right time, God will lift me up in honor. That's exactly what Jesus did. He humbled himself, died on the cross, and God honored him. Notice, when Jesus came to the earth, he humbled himself. Now, lots of people will humble us. Ever been around somebody that humbles you? You walk away, you feel about this big. They know how to do that. Now, they usually do that because they're inferior. And they like to make other people feel down so they can feel up. But this scripture says, I have to humble myself. I have to take it upon myself to have a mindset is, I'm not better than you. I'm gifted just like you, just with maybe different gifts. It's hard for people that are up front. It's hard for people up front. Why? Because we have all these people looking at us. And and if you don't conquer that pride deal... God will humble us. The Bible says if I'm filled with pride, the very next step is I'll stumble. We've all been there. Any of you ever been prideful and had to be humbled after that? How how enjoyable is that situation? It's miserable, isn't it? You have to admit it. I mean, I have to admit it in front of thousands of people. It's very humbling. But it's good for me. Jesus humbled himself before the whole world. And so this scripture says, you can try to humble me, but the the key to life is for me to have that mindset of humbling myself. The attitude that simply means, just like Jesus, 
If I want God to use me, and by the way, it's for his glory, it's not for mine. If I want him to use me, then I have to die to self. That's the mindset I have to have. Quit promoting myself. We like to promote ourselves. Quit it. Don't promote yourself. Just humbly have that mindset that Jesus had, and then good things happen. So write this down with me, would you? Here's what it says. A humble mindset... Remember, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. As I think, that's the way I become. A humble mindset simply submits and obeys God. The other day in one of our staff meetings here, we had the leaders of different departments, and Bill, our administrator, was leading the meeting. And we went around the room, and all these departments, the men's, the ladies, the music, the, the kids, the first impression, all the, they, they all gave us the things that are happening in the next two or three months. And my, man, my head's spinning. Because I remember back 18 years ago where I was the committee by myself. And I started looking around this room and I went, how in the world did all these people get here and the gifts they have and the stuff? I mean, it's humbling. Because there's no way I could do almost 95% I can't do. I just have to do what I do. But see, that's the way it is. We're simply a body, and we just serve together. And who gets the glory? God. Not you. Not me. It's not about us. And that's exactly what happened. When Jesus died on the cross, it wasn't for him. It was for the Father, the glory of God. Now, one day Jesus made this statement. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled. Guaranteed. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. So... God exalted Jesus, and he put him in this amazing place above everybody. But then he did something more. He did something with a new name that he gave Jesus. Look at verse 9. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place. He rules and reigns over the universe. And then, next, he gave him the name. Not a name. The name that is above every name. In the Jewish culture, a name related to a person's character. When you say Mark Balmer, you would, if you know me, you would think of me and my character and whatever. Well, the name in the Jewish culture related to a person's full character. He or she, what they did and what they were. When you think about Jesus, which is the name he has, how many, how many names do we have for Jesus in the Bible. Oh, there's all kinds of names. Let me just give you some of them. And you can begin thinking as I give you these names. Of how that fits into your life. Jesus is known as Emmanuel. God with us. He's known as Wonderful Counselor. He's known as the Prince of Peace. Jesus is known as the Ancient of Days. Why? Because he's always been here. Jesus is known as the Door. He's known as the Word. He's known as the light of the world. He's known as the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. He's known as the bread of life. He's known as the water of life. But in heaven, when he went back, God gave him a new name. And it's a name we want to really learn today. His new name is Lord, or the Greek of it, Curios. So I want you to write this down. And I put the Greek in there because you need to understand it when you go through the scripture. It will help you. 
The new name that he got was Lord, Kurios. What does that mean? It means the owner, the owner of the world, the master, the master of the whole world. He has all authority. And to make it personal, the one who has control of the person. So God gave Jesus a name when he went back to heaven. That means he's the Lord of heaven and earth. Lord describes his nature. And notice it's the name. So that places him above all other names. There's no name with that authority. Now, interesting, this name, the Lord, Kurios, is the New Testament synonym for an Old Testament description of God's name, Yahweh, which means sovereign ruler. So, you're going to see in a moment that Paul puts Yahweh and Kurios together. The whole proof to say that Jesus is God. Kurios. He's the master of all life. Jesus is God. And because of his exaltation, because he's over everything, a name higher than any name, he's the owner, he's the master, he's the ruler of the universe. What's the outcome of that? Look at verse 10. That at the name, or because of that name, the name of Jesus, two things will happen. Watch it. Every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Every knee shall bow. In America, we're not too much into bowing, bowing our knees, submission, worship, honor. It's not part of our culture. If you come from England and the queen comes by, everybody bows. But lots of the world... Bows. In fact, the Bible in the Old Testament is filled with people bowing before God. We've just lost the habit. How important is bowing? Oh, it's very important. Because it signifies something. Linda and I do a lot of traveling in the East. We see this routinely. These are Buddhists who are kneeling and bowing before their God. Well, who is their God? Well, in this particular case... You can just see it. It's a stone statue. It's a Buddha of some type carved into the the stone. And they'll cry and they'll take their incense and they'll just kneel in worship of a stone that can't do anything. But they're not ashamed to kneel. You'll see everybody kneel. And if I go to India and take you with me, we'll walk down the street and every few blocks there'll be a shrine Because Indians have more than 300 million gods. And they will take their incense and their fruit. And and it doesn't matter who's watching. They'll kneel right down before that idol that can't do a thing for them. And they will worship that idol. But in America, we're a little too proud to kneel. Because we can do life ourselves. The second... Largest religion in the world is this one. Islam. 20 years ago was an uncommon picture. Today, (laughs) very common. In fact, in a few years at the spot of 9-11, 
amazingly, it'll be very common. Now, do you think they're embarrassed doing this? Oh, they're not embarrassed. Very often I'm in those countries where there's Muslims. And I've seen it many times. You drive around the road and you see somebody stop their car. The sound just went off. It's the time of prayer. There are five times of prayer during the day. What do they do? Gets out of the car, opens the trunk, gets the prayer rug out, throws the prayer rug down. Doesn't matter who's watching. In America. Praise God. Well, I was 40 minutes late for worship. Doesn't matter. Am I right? But this verse says every knee will bow. You see, we don't have respect for God. He's just somebody we add to our weekly schedule if it fits. That's not true there. This next picture is a picture I love. Because this is the picture of young Christian people worshiping. Oh, don't get me wrong today. It's not about the knees bowing. Because Jesus said, you worship me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. You see, it's not just about kneeling or raising our hands. Some of you raised your hands today, and it was just an exercise because somebody else did it. There's not a thing that related in our hearts. Of course, that's true in the other parts of the world. They're doing their religious deal and thinking about a million other things. But Jesus says there's coming a day when how many knees? Tell me. How many? Hmm. Every. Not to Buddha. Not to a Hindu God. Not to Allah, who isn't even a God. But to the true God. Write the definition of this bow down because I think it's good for us to do it. At the name of Jesus, this will happen. Not at the name of anything else. Bow. Bend in submission. What does that mean? I want your will, God. I recognize who you are and you're worthy to be worshipped. We bow in worship in honor of Jesus. You see, the way up is always down. Now, how does that happen? And when does it happen? Let's dissect it very quickly. Look at verse 10. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow three places. In heaven, on the earth, and under the earth. All right, look at me. Let's get it right. Who in heaven right now is worshiping, is bowing the knee? Who in heaven is worshiping? Two things. One, angels. Angels are in heaven. They're kneeling and they're worshiping God right now. Who else is in heaven kneeling and bowing and worshiping God? Right now, who's there? Any of you have relatives that died that were Christians and they've gone to heaven? Any of you? Let me see your hands. What are they doing up there? They're worshiping the Lord. In today's teaching, Pastor Mark taught us that in the kingdom of God, the way up is always down. Jesus, our example as to how to live, came to earth in humble means, even though he was the creator of the universe. It's important for us to internalize the fact that we can't be more special than Jesus was. He came to this earth to serve us, though it meant dying on a cross. 
Lessons for Living is the teaching ministry of Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. We have multiple campuses to reach those living in Melbourne, Sebastian, and Vieira. All campuses meet each weekend and on Wednesdays to spend time collectively raising our voices in worship to our Most High God and studying the truth and blessings found in His Word. For more information, directions, and service times, visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and click on the church link at the bottom of the page. Next time, Pastor Mark will continue his teaching, The Name of Jesus. Confess and bow. We'll learn more about the divine nature of Jesus and why he's worthy of our worship. We will be challenged to submit to the authority of Jesus, who is God Almighty, and give at least as much praise to him as followers of false religions give to their gods, who are not real gods at all. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time. Pastor Mark will continue teaching through this series, Contagious Outrageous Joy. That's next time on Lessons for Living. In a hurting world, a new hope he is given.